the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a unity and energy. But now we are starting to hit the wall of exhaustion. This week, we are sharing a study from over 100,000 global leaders looking for the characteristics of those who were the most persistent and determined. What can these leaders teach us about pressing forward when you feel exhausted? Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm your host, Brianna O'Corin, and with me today, I have my all-around great dad and psychometrician, Joe Folkman. Hello, Bri. I have something to admit to you today, and it might just prove that I'm an optimist. When they closed schools for two weeks in early March of this year, I was 100% convinced that we would all stay in our houses, the virus would go away, and that my kids would be going back to school in a few weeks. And meanwhile, I would be enjoying the absurd amount of snack food that I panic bought at Costco. <laughs> really? Well, that's surprising. <laughs> yes, but my optimistic outlook was quickly crushed after binging the news for two days straight. Now, you are much more of an optimist than I am. And growing up, I always remember you used to talk to us about lessons and endurance from running track. And you wanted to share one with all of us today. Well, when I was in high school, I qualified for the state track and field championships. Uh, the event was held as a large university and there were lots of spectators. And that's really different from my typical track meet where Actually, nobody but the team was there to cheer you on. <laughs> now, my event was the 440-yard dash. Now, the key to winning this race was to stay relaxed and to run loose. And, and you had to do that for the entire race, large strides and that kind of thing. Well, when I drew my lane, I ended up in the last outside lane. As the race started, I heard a lot of people cheering which caused me to run hard and tight at the beginning of the race. Uh, from my starting position, I was winning. I was in first place. Everything was going well until I rounded the first turn and found myself tied with several others. By the time I hit the second curve, I was spent and I could not maintain my speed. I did not do well in that race, even though I had a great start. Many marathon runners have experienced hitting the wall. They do that at about the 20 mile mark in the race, which causes them to slow down or even walk. Recently, I was talking to a friend and colleague and she had run the Boston Marathon and she just came over the last hill and hit the wall. And she said it hurt so bad that she started to walk and she was even crying. <laughs> a spectator <laughs> yelled at her, in Boston, we don't cry. <laughs> What? I would have cried after mile two. Well, that comment made her so mad that she started running again and finished the race. When I started this pandemic race, I had a lot of energy. A lot of people were cheering and I was determined to do well in this race. Now, five months later, I'm hitting the wall. When marathon runners hit the wall, their glycogen or stored energy in their muscles is depleted. For me, my stored energy and patience are a bit depleted. Having talked to many of my clients, I find a large number of people are feeling the same way. 
what does it take to get past the wall and continue the race? It takes persistence and determination. The first step in figuring out how to develop these behaviors was to identify the leaders who were at the 90th percentile and study what they did that made others perceive them to have outstanding strengths in these two areas. We went to Zanger Fogman's database of over 100,000 leaders across the globe. Each leader was assessed by gathering evaluations from their manager, peers, direct reports, and others. In this assessment, each leader was evaluated on 49 different behaviors. After analyzing these different behaviors, eight items were identified that were strongly associated with persistence and determination. These items were used to identify those leaders who were rated in the top 5%. Now that the leaders had been found, it was time to compare these incredibly persistent leaders with the rest of the slackers out there. By looking at the items with the largest significant difference, that is where you get great insights on what leaders do that enables them to be more persistent and determined. So let's talk about this list of eight characteristics. You know, Bree, the interesting thing about this is if you had a goal to be more persistent, what would you do to improve? Uh, most people would say something like, well, I just be more persistent. <laughs> That's what I would say. I would bug people more. <laughs> is that well, persistence? Most people have no clue what they could do to actually help them improve. What we found were these eight characteristics that really did make a difference. Now, the first one, and I think it's probably the most important one, is to have high standards. These leaders were never satisfied with mediocre or average performance. They consistently wanted to provide the best product or service possible. Adverse circumstances would not influence their need to deliver their best. I used to work with a fellow and he used to always say, well, that's good enough for who it's for. I mean, when your standards are low, then anything you do is okay, or just a mediocre job is okay. But the amazing thing is that if you have higher standards, you're going to be more persistent. That one thing can change everything. And it can make you more persistent because you're not satisfied with just, okay, you want to be great. Makes sense. The second one was also interesting, making the organization's vision personal. Uh, the organization's vision, mission, and purpose became their mission, vision, and purpose. People tend to not feel like they gonna, they, they make a big difference. I mean, they feel like a small cog in a big chain of things and, and, you know, they say, well, what's one customer? Well, one customer when one, per, uh, one purchase isn't much, but one customer over 10 years of purchase is a lot. Hmm. And what leaders need to do is help others realize the impact they have on the business and the negative impact they can have and the positive impact. And when you do that, people start to own the vision because the vision they can see the impact that they have and they make it personal. If the company succeeds, they succeed. If the company fails, they fail. Number three was being skilled at inspiring and motivating. These leaders were truly optimistic, unlike me. And their energy and enthusiasm and their ability to accomplish goals, it spread to those around them in the organization. While other managers seem to be pushing others hard to get the work done, these leaders 
were able to approach it differently. They knew how to pull by inspiring others to keep moving forward. You can't push people to be determined. What makes them persistent is that they're inspired. And what's fascinating is, is I just did the study with 110,000 leaders, mm-hmm. found that 76% of the leaders in our database scored higher on pushing on results than they did on pulling inspires. Really? I mean, people are much better at pushing and pushing others than they are at inspiring others. Next, number four is communicates powerfully. How can people know if you're persistent or determined if you don't talk to them? Persistent leaders realized, especially in a crisis, that silence was depressing and discouraging. They continued to communicate even when it appeared there was nothing else that needed to be said. In this pandemic, a lot of leaders communicated at the same cadence they did when they were working in the office. That same cadence is not enough. People need to pick up the pace of communications and the frequency of communications. People are lost out there and they need somebody to tell them how they're doing, to connect with them, and they need that on a regular basis. The number five issue was becoming a champion of change. Now, these leaders realized quickly that they to succeed, change was necessary. It was essential. And so they were the first to change. They became role models, having the courage to try new approaches and to do things differently. The number six characteristic was solving problems. It's amazing to me how many people will put up and will continue to use a broken process, a poor process, or even a poor approach. And they, instead of trying to fix it, they just put up with it. Now, the persistent leaders fix problems. And by the way, when you fix a problem, it makes it easier for you to be successful. (laughs) It makes it easier (laughs) for you to be persistent. Number seven was had an external focus. Persistence and determination is not found by only focusing inward. It is also about looking outward. Rather than just focusing on their situation and problems, they looked outside to understand the issues and concerns of others who were not a part of their organization. They were constantly asking, how can we help the families of our employees? What do our customers really need? They looked outside their organization for best practices and new ideas. And number eight, held themselves personally accountable. The buck stopped with them. They were accountable. If mistakes were made, they took the blame, made a correction, and then moved on. Those are the eight characteristics that define the most persistent and determined leaders. So did any of them surprise you? Well, the one that I I really gravitate to, and there's a couple, of course, the high standards. I, I think just doing that will make a big difference. But that external focus is interesting to me. Uh, I love to ride my bike, and I live by a canyon in the mountains. And and as I get on that trail and I'm riding up that trail. I'm thinking I am just killing it. I, uh, I am really hitting the, the trail <laughs> here. And I think that up until the point when my, someone passes me. And it's fascinating to me how that humbles me so much because I don't realize how slow I'm going until I see someone else going faster. Hmm. Now, 
I think about a time when we had our first firm and we were admiring our progress that we'd made over the last five years and our growth. And we had grown a lot and we felt like we were very successful. And then we looked at the average growth for all companies and we were below average. I mean, it's not hard to grow when everybody's growing, <laughs> but, but we thought we were doing great. Look, listen, this external perspective is a fantastic way to help you to be more persistent because if you can look out there and see what other people are doing, if you can look at the best people and, and how they're performing, if you compare yourselves to that, you're going to be more persistent than if you just look at your own performance. I think what inspired me the most was the very first characteristic, high standards. I think so much of us right now are just trying to get through it. And I, I understand why. I mean, I, it's hard working from home, uh, having to homeschool my kids at the same time, take care of a toddler. Uh, it's not very easy. Um, and I think I've used all of the outside influences as an excuse to maybe not do my best work. But like we were talking about with the running, those who are determined to finish the race didn't give up and saunter along. They kept running, even if it's really, really slow, pathetic looking run that looks very much like the way I run. Hearing that just made me realize that if I dig deep down for that energy and maybe have someone from Boston insult me, <laughs> then maybe it'll help me realize that even though it doesn't feel like I have any more to give, I actually do. Bree, let me say that I believe this pandemic will end. It's not going to end tomorrow or next month, but soon. We can all continue to do what we did in the last few months for a few more months. We have all learned new skills and found unique ways to connect with others. And for most, we've discovered new ways to do our jobs. Here's the best news about the pandemic. When I was young and things got difficult at our home and I started to complain, my parents would say, this is nothing compared to the Great Depression. <laughs> well, after the end of the pandemic, you'll be able to say to your children, this is nothing like the 2020 pandemic. Very true. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast, was written and recorded by Brianna Corrin and Joe Folkman, with music by Pleasant Pictures, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you like our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and leave us a review. For more information about Zanger Folkman's leadership assessment offerings, or to get a copy of the article this podcast is based on, go to zangerfolkman.com slash podcast.